Welcome in to Locked On Blackhawks for Friday, January 3rd, 2020. My name is Shay Zawoski. Locked On Blackhawks is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day and your team is the Chicago Blackhawks. And they fell Thursday night to the Vancouver Canucks 7-5 to in an absolutely wild hockey game. We will break it all down. But first, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast Send an email to LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. There you can follow my personal account at jzawoski670. And, of course, my Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at Madhouse Pod. New episode of that coming Friday or Saturday. Still got to work out the schedule with my partner, James. But soon, there will be a new episode very, very soon to check out of the Madhouse Podcast. So make sure you subscribe to both rate and review both all those things are very helpful so let's get into this one um another sort of common theme that's been part of the lockdown podcast since the season has begun is missed opportunities the hawks had an opportunity to pull within two points of the vancouver canucks had they won the game tonight vancouver would have 46 points and the hawks would have 44 instead now the hawks are six points behind vancouver Vancouver's got 48. The Hawks have 42. The Hawks had a 4-2 lead in this game, and very similar to what we saw in the game against Calgary, the Hawks get a semi-comfortable lead. They, I, I guess you'd say they turn down the intensity a little bit, and all of a sudden the team gets right back in it, and it's frustrating. You know, I, I'm not. I think overall the Hawks had a, a really solid game. It was a weird game with weird bounces, weird deflections, all kind of crazy crap went went wrong for both teams. So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to flip my table over. It's a loss. It's a game that ended before the Hawks could tie it, and that's really how it felt, right? But again, those momentary lapses cost this team almost every time it happens. And one thing I want to isolate on in this game, Robin Leonard goes down. In the third period, hurts his knee, stays in the game, but you could tell that he was earlier in the game, by the way, he took two shots up high that rattled him. Robin Leonard got his ass kicked in this game. He really did. So Leonard goes down in the third period on his knee. The game is stopped. It takes him a while to get up, work it out. Uh, The trainer comes on the ice, takes a look at Leonard. Leonard says, I'm good. I'm staying in. The next two shifts, Vancouver takes it to the Hawks now look I'm not a big like win one for the Gipper kind of a guy despite being a Notre Dame fan but doesn't common sense tell you that when your goalie is injured or not 100% or was literally just down on the ice and almost let the left the game that you're going to want to do your best to even if you're not going to go score in that moment, you're going to do the best the best you can to keep the other team from scoring. They scored. The Canucks scored immediately after Robin Leonard got hurt. They had the puck in the Hawks zone almost the entire time, and and that's the sort of thing that that can that drives me nuts about this loss. Is if you just give Robin Leonard two or three minutes to get back to close to 100 percent to start feeling normal again. Give him some relief. Instead, the dude who has carried you throughout this season, along with Patrick Kane, and we'll get to him in a little bit too, 
But the dude who's carried you this entire season, Robin Leonard, needs your help for a few minutes. And that's the response. And it was the camp line. And Smith was out there and Keith was out there. And yeah, Bokus was out there. But the guys you would expect to be able to stop the other team from scoring. That's your one job. You have one job in that moment. It's to prevent the other team from getting a quality scoring chance on Robin Leonard while he gathers himself and pulls himself together. And they couldn't do it, and that's the difference in the game. Gaudette scores, it's 6-5, and the Hawks have four minutes to try to get back into thing. And they almost did. They almost did it. They got a power play late, got a couple good looks. Not exactly what you'd expect, not a perfect power play. But they were getting chances, they had some looks, and it just didn't work out. And... This team, as we've been told and shown over and over again, is simply not good enough to have lapses in effort. Mistakes are going to happen, right? There will be a time where a guy's trying to make a play and he turns it over. Those things happen, right? Trying to be aggressive. We're going to see young players like Adam Boquist and Kirby Doc make mistakes that young players make but they're mistakes of aggression. But when you go out there and your goalie just got banged up and the response is to give up a bunch of high-quality chances right away, that's terrible. And look, I'm not saying they weren't out there trying their hardest, but but really, you've got to have a better response than flailing away and laying on the ground trying to poach at the puck away. Take a body, get the if you got to ice it, keep icing it. Until you feel like Robin Leonard is is feeling better. Clearly, he played this game banged up. And maybe they should have put Corey Crawford in after he went down with that knee injury. Something tells me Robin Leonard probably would have <laughs> laid into Jeremy Cowton and his staff had he done that. Had they done that. But it's just that to me is the defining moment in the game. And I know that's not really a stretch because it's when Vancouver scored the game winning goal. But man. Missed opportunity. And the Hawks' upcoming schedule here, they had, a, and they still do, they still have a chance to make up some ground, right? They've got the horrible Red Wings on Sunday. We will talk about them a little bit in the last segment. Calgary again Tuesday. Those are two pretty evenly matched teams, the Hawks and Calgary. A tough Nashville team on Thursday, then a bad Ducks team and a bad Senators team. So if the Hawks can take, what? Four of those next five, this loss doesn't hurt as bad. But that opportunity to pull yourself within two points of the Vancouver Canucks, and you missed it. You missed the opportunity to do that. That is really, really frustrating. And and I hope that, you know, there's a lot of these games where at the end of the year we can look back on and say, if only, right? If only they had been able to hold that 4-2 lead against the Canucks because guess what if the Hawks win this game they leapfrog Nashville and they leapfrog Minnesota and then they are only three points out of the final wild card spot missed opportunity again It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. 
as we do after every Blackhawks game, we will go over the pluses and the minuses. Let's start with the pluses. You're not going to believe this, but Patrick Kane had a really good game. I know. It's wacky, isn't it? Like, what are the odds of that? Oh, you know, 23 minutes of ice time, only two goals last night against the Canucks. Ho-hum, six shots on goal, three more shots of his were blocked. Another night for Patrick Kane. It's remarkable. He's amazing. Every day that goes by, he does something that amazes me, and somehow it never ceases to amaze me. He is... I'll say it. He is the best Blackhawk of my lifetime. He's maybe not my favorite. Jeremy Roenick remains my favorite Blackhawk ever. But Patrick Kane is the best Blackhawk I've seen play in my life. And I've seen some really good Blackhawks play. And I think when it's all said and done, they'll be talking about Patrick Kane up there with Bobby Hull and Stan Makita, not just in lore, not just in legend, but in statistics as well. The kid's unbelievable. And he's not a kid anymore. But I'm old, and he's not, so he's a kid. Deal with it. How about Dominic Kubalik? 12-19 of ice time, three assists, and a plus one. Solid game for him. Had a, a close scoring chance late in the third period, and it just didn't get through. I don't know how that puck didn't get through, but he had a really good scoring chance. Jonathan Taves, a goal, an assist, 19-25 of ice time. He went 14-6. He for the faceoff dot, that's 70%. Dylan Strom, 1-5 and lost 8. Ryan Carpenter, 1-3 and lost 11. John Quenville, uh, 1-0 and lost 1. David Kemp, 1-7 and lost 4. And uh, Dylan Secura took 3 faceoffs. He lost all 3 of them. So Taves won 14 faceoffs. The rest of the Blackhawks won 15. So Taves was 70%. The rest of the team was 55 So solid. But it was all Camp and Taves, basically. But incredible all-around performance for Jonathan Taves. And I was on uh, Sportsnet Radio in Vancouver today, or last night, rather. Sorry, today, last night. You know what I mean? Um, and I did a game preview, and they said, yeah, you know, Taves is, hasn't had the, the, the offensive season a lot of people expected, and that's true. But he's been playing his best hockey. I'd say over the last probably 10 games, I think Taves is starting to look like Taves again starting to rack up the points, starting to become the scorer that we all hoped he would be. Want to give another plus to Connor Murphy, a goal, a plus two, 21.50 of ice time, four shots on goal. Another shot of his was blocked. He had three more shots that missed the net and had three hits and a blocked shot of his own. So Connor Murphy, I think when he went down this year, I wanted to make sure that people recognized how good of a player he was and how valuable of a player he was to the Blackhawks. Because I think for a long time, Hawks fans held it against him because he was traded for Nicholas Jalmerson, who is a beloved Blackhawk by everybody. Joel Quenville never warmed up to Connor Murphy because of that. But Murphy, especially this year, has been terrific. He's been really, really good. And uh, I think tonight's game may have been his best as far as the offensive part of the game goes, he has taken that role on basically out of necessity because the sort of things you'd expect from Brent Seabrook offensively, Connor Murphy has sort of had to take the mantle there, and I think he's done a really solid job. you got to mention, too, 
Duncan Keith, 24-50 of ice time. The guy's just ageless. Uh, another really solid game. There was a moment in the first period where Vancouver had a two-on-one, and Keith was, like, really slow to react. And even Eddie O and Foley said, you, you, someone's got to get back there. You better get back there. Keith just read it perfectly, went and cut off the two-on-one, and there was not even an attempt, not even a shot on goal, not even a shot attempt. He played it perfectly. So the savvy that D- Duncan Keith brings to the Blackhawks, um, man, it's really showing this year. And we talked before the season began about some of these veteran guys having to either delay their decline or take a step forward before they take a step back. I think it's safe to say Duncan Keith has taken a step back forward this year. He's better this year than he was last year. And thank goodness, because they need him to be everything he's been this year. I think Duncan Keith is deserving of a lot of praise. You know, Kane gets the the, the points and Leonard makes the highlight reel saves. And Corey Crawford's been great too. But without Duncan Keith, this team would be in some big trouble. So uh, props to number two who is probably the best Blackhawks defenseman I've seen in my lifetime. Maybe Chelios, maybe Keith, but that's good company. All right, now let's get to the minuses. You hate to do it because he's been great all year and he took a beating all night, but giving up six goals is not a good thing. Robin Leonard, 30 saves, uh, six goals against. That's the most he's given up all season. Not blaming him. It's not his fault they lost but not a very strong performance from Robin Leonard. He's been the workhorse here lately, considering the three times he went down in pain last night. You've got to think Corey Crawford gets the start against the lowly Detroit Red Wings on Sunday. I think that's a no-brainer. I think that's a re- really safe, easy call for Jeremy Cowan. I hope that's the move he makes. One more minus I have. The Canucks fans booing Duncan Keith. Look. I know that a long time ago, Duncan Keith elbowed a Sedin. I forget which one it was. It doesn't really matter. It's a Sedin. They're the same. They're basically just robots, right? And it was a dirty play. And he shouldn't have done it. And he was suspended, et cetera, et cetera. Fine. To get booed, you know, seven years later, five years later, whatever year that was, it's a little dumb, especially from the Vancouver fans who happily employed turds like Kevin Bieksa and Ryan Kessler and Alex Burrows and Rafi Torres. Don't go booing Duncan Keith for one moment in his career that happened years ago when you employed half a dozen of those guys on every roster you had during those 2010 cup runs that, well, that, that the Hawks always shut down for the Canucks. Except that one. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Booing Duncan Keith. You're better than that, Canucks fans. Wait. Eh, actually, they're probably not. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here, wrapping up the Hawks and Canucks game. Hawks lose 7-5 in Vancouver Thursday night. There was an empty net goal at the end of the game, so it was more of a 6-5 loss, but the score says 7-5, so that's what it was. Let's take a look at some of the numbers of this one. Vancouver wins the possession battle in this one with a 52.17 
Corsi four percentage at even strength, five on five, 48 uh, chances for, 48 shot attempts for, 44 against. High danger scoring chances, the Canucks had a 9-8 advantage. That's how it felt. This game was very, very even. So nothing to uh, get too concerned about. Vancouver just had the edge. The teams are actually even in the first and the third with 15 shot attempts for in the first and 12 shot attempts in the second. In the third, rather, Vancouver had a, a significant advantage in the second period. So that's where they get the uh, slight overall advantage in the game. When we look at some of the individual numbers here of the Blackhawks leaders in uh, the Corsi 4 rating, Jonathan Taves. 70.83 Corsi rating. That is insane. 17 shot attempts for seven against with him on the ice. Dominic Kubelik was 68.18. Joel Quenville, 50. Joel Quenville. Damn it, I'm going to do that a million times. John Quenville, 58.82. Connor Murphy, Patrick Kane, Adam Boquist, all over 50%. Bringing up the rear for the Hawks, Dylan Strom with a 33.33. Corsi 4 percentage, 6 shot attempts for 12 against Ryan Carpenter, 37.50. Matthew Highmore, 37.50. So you want to see more? That was the one line that didn't score during the game for the Blackhawks, the uh, Debrinkit, Strom, and Doc line. And one thing I want to say about Kirby Doc here, I, I really like his, his game. There's one thing I've noticed that I think will make a world of difference for him. And I, I may have mentioned this a couple weeks ago. When the season ends, don't be surprised if the number one focus on Kirby Doc's offseason training is his stop and go, or his quick cuts, or his 0-60, to 60, I guess you would say, skating ability. Because I feel like Kirby Doc is a good skater. He's a fast skater. We've seen he has the ability to turn on the jets and really take off when he wants to, when he has to. But too often... You'll see him try to make a play and then skate by, and he has to circle around to come back, right? You'll see him go behind the net, try to win a puck, and then he's got to circle to the front of the net and go back. Quick cuts. As I was writing my book that's coming out next fall, I saw an interview with Bobby Hull, and he said, being fast is one thing, but if you can't stop and go on a dime, speed is useless because all it's going to do is take you out of a play. If you miss the puck, and you're fast, you got to come all the way back around to go chase the puck. That stop-and-go part of the game is something Kirby Doc needs to work on. I have no doubt he's going to. I have no doubt it's going to improve. But that, to me, is the thing that's sort of holding his offense back a little bit, is he has to restart the engines once he passes the puck. When I, when I say passes, not like advances it to another player. I mean literally skates by the puck. He's got to circle around. He needs those quick stops and goes, and that's when he will fully realize his offensive potential, in my opinion anyway. I don't know if you guys see it the same way. If you do, hit me up, LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. I always like to hear your feedback, even if it's not Talkback Tuesday. Love to hear the feedback. All right, before we wrap things up, let's take a look at Sunday's opponent, the Detroit Red Wings. We have been updating the glorious Red Wings season of hockey all season long. So let's do the same thing uh, tonight here. Now, look, my fear, and I said this on, on yesterday's podcast, is that the Hawks will overlook the Red Wings like they did with the Devils and like they did with the Sharks a couple times, et cetera, et cetera. 
if there's a silver lining to losing to Vancouver in a tough game like this, it's that they'll be ready to play on Sunday. The Hawks usually respond well after tough losses. So, all right, get your barf bags out. We are going to look at the Detroit Red Wings statistics, okay? You've been warned. If you want to turn down the podcast and come back in a little bit, you can do that. But we need to take a deep look here at the Red Wings. And I think most Hawks fans, most longtime Hawks fans, they're going to feel more joy than pain when they hear this. All right, so here we go. This is rough. This almost feels like bullying, but whatever. In 41 games, the Detroit Red Wings are 10 28 and 3 for a grand total of 23 points. 23 points. The next closest team to them in terms of points are the New Jersey Devils. They are 13 points better than the Red Wings. We talk often about goal differential. The Red Wings are minus 68. In goal differential, they've given up 68 more goals than they've scored. The next closest team, you guessed it, the New Jersey Devils, they are minus 35. So the second worst team in hockey is minus 35 in goal differential. That's 33 goals better than the Red Wings. The Red Wings are almost twice as bad as the second worst team in goal differential. Over their last 10, the Wings are 3-7-0. On the road, the Wings are 4-14-2. This is a bad team. This is a historically bad team. I'm friends with a Red Wings fan. I said, hey, should we try to get tickets and go? No, I don't want to go. I don't want to watch that. Here's their leading scorers. Tyler Bertuzzi. 31 points in 41 games. Dylan Larkin, 25 points in 41 games. Anthony Mantha, in only 29 games, has 24 points. He is the Red Wings all-star representative, and he should be. He just cannot stay healthy. They're just bad. Robbie Fabry, who they traded for this year in 24 games, has 17 points. He's been pretty good since they picked him up. But, you know, some of these guys that still play for them, Darren Helm, Mike Green, these ancient guys, Justin Abdelkader. Why are these guys still playing hockey? My God. And remember Brendan Perlini? He was on the Hawks last year. He was acquired in the Dylan Strom trade. The Hawks traded him to Detroit early this season. In 23 games, Brendan Perlini has two assists and is a minus 10. The Hawks must win this game. They have to. I will not allow it. I will not allow for another outcome. Detroit is too bad. I'm sorry. You want to look at the uh, possession numbers? Should we? It sounds kind of fun, doesn't it? All right. Over the last 10 games, the Red Wings possession numbers, 42.46. Corsi, 4 percentage. High danger scoring chances. Let's take a look at where the Red Wings rank. Now, I told you yesterday the Hawks are dead last, and they remain there. 37.89 over the last 10. Detroit, 45.39 in high danger chances. This is a horrible hockey team. It should be 
a relatively easy two points for the Blackhawks if they come out and put forth the efforts they've been putting forth in the games they've been playing lately. Let's hope they take two points from Detroit and get back on the winning foot. They've got four home games in a row here. Hopefully the Hawks can get some points back that they that they wish they would have had last night. They should have taken two points from Vancouver. They didn't. Now they've got a nice opportunity to make it up. Hopefully we're not talking again on Monday about missed opportunities. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode. And remember, talk back Tuesday. Get those questions in. Get those voicemails in. Don't wait till the last minute because sometimes on Monday, based on whatever else I have going on, I've got to get the podcast done in the early afternoon. So if you are planning on submitting a question for Talk Back Tuesday, try to get it to me by Monday at 3 or 4 p.m. Central if you can. I probably won't do it that early, but if you want to guarantee you get in, I would definitely make sure I have it by 4 p.m. Central time on Monday. But with that, can wrap things up. Hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for your continued support. 66 episodes of Lockdown Blackhawks are in the book, and we're only going up from here. Have a wonderful weekend. Lockdown Blackhawks is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.